We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RB32 preseason team preview series. My name is Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Today is the Cleveland Browns preview of the 2018 hashtag RB32 team preview series, which is a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. I'll be joined in just a few minutes by Nate Ulrich, who's a Browns beat reporter for the Akron Beacon Journal at Ohio.com and Gatehouse Media Ohio. You can follow him on Twitter at by Nate Ulrich. But before we get started, I want to let all you know that as a listener to this podcast, you can save yourself 30% on a Rotoviz NFL pass at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. That subscription is going to give you access to all the NFL content and tools, and best of all, it does help support the pod. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over a thousand articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Please go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. Again, our guest today is Nate Ulrich from the Akron Beacon Journal. In this episode, he talks about what new offensive coordinator Todd Haley means to the Browns offense, how long Tyrod Taylor will hold off Baker Mayfield, and how the backfield battle will shake out between Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb, and Duke Johnson. After the interview, we'll take a few minutes to think about what Nate said and take a closer look at the Browns key offensive playmakers using some of these great apps at Rotoviz. And now, let's bring on the guest. We are pleased to welcome to the show Nathan Ulrich, who is a Cleveland Browns beat reporter for the Akron Beacon Journal at Ohio.com and Gatehouse Media Ohio. Please follow him on Twitter at ByNateUlrich. He joins us for a few minutes on the RV32 team preview series to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Nathan, thanks for a few minutes today. How are you doing? 
I'm doing well. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, there's a lot of buzz about the Browns team this year. You know, despite the 131 record over the past two seasons, they certainly have a good amount of firepower. They have playmakers all over the roster. Probably the biggest change, though, has been the offensive coordinator. Uh, Hugh Jackson's not going to be calling the plays anymore, but it's going to be former Steelers offensive coordinator Todd Haley, who's staying in the division, and he's joining the Browns. So how's the offense look so far, and what are you hearing about the Haley impact during the preseason? Well, the Haley impact is huge because the past two years, when the Browns went 1-31, as you mentioned, Hugh Jackson had two full-time-plus jobs, and that was head coach of the Browns and offensive coordinator of the Browns. Obviously, it was too much for Hugh to juggle. It was overwhelming. He should have never done it to begin with, but he did. He was, he's been a play caller for a large portion of his career, obviously coming off a pretty good run as offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals. He wanted to keep calling the plays when he got to Cleveland, but it just did not work out. So Hugh was brought back despite 1-15 in in his first year and 0-16 in in his second year. Ownership gave him a mulligan. And having said that, he knew something had to change other than Sashi Brown. Sashi Brown was the head of football operations who had controlled the roster decisions, who was fired December 7th and replaced by GM John Dorsey. But something else needed to change, and that was that Hugh Jackson needed, needed to be freed up to be a head coach and not to be a head coach and an offensive coordinator at the same time. So he got fortunate. The Pittsburgh Steelers did not renew the contract of Haley, and after a successful six-year run in Pittsburgh for Haley, he became a coaching free agent and took the the Browns job, Hugh gave him play calling duties. It's Haley's playbook, and it's totally, you know, Todd Haley running the offense. Now, Hugh Jackson has some input as a head coach, of course, and he always leans toward the offensive side because that's where his background is. But really, Todd Haley is taking the reins. And in terms of how the offense has looked in the preseason, it's been up and down. It hasn't been nearly as impressive as the Browns' starting defense, which really has been lights out. Um, but there have been flashes of really good play on offense. You know, the lineup's been inconsistent. Josh Gordon, who is, I'm not going to say the best player on the Browns' offense, because I would give that title to Jarvis Landry, but I think Josh Gordon is the most talented. There's a distinction between best as in most productive during a career and most talented as in the best physical skill set. Josh, Josh Gordon's the most talented. He missed all of uh, training camp pretty much, uh, did not practice in training camp, was there for some of it in the later stages as an observer uh, of practice, but he missed all the preseason games. He was away in Florida receiving treatment for his uh, well-known uh, you know, battle with uh, addiction. So you know, Josh Gordon was gone. You know, Rookie uh, receiver Antonio Callaway was in and out of the lineup with a groin injury. They really like him. He's, got, he's in line to be their third receiver. So, you know, they had some inconsistencies in the lineup. Uh, obviously, the quarterbacks, uh, Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield, uh, being new arrivals, you know, gives this offense a completely new look. And obviously, as we're talking about here, it all starts with Todd Haley. It certainly does. And and there's a lot of weapons there in that receiving core. And, and that brings our attention to the quarterback. You know, Nathan, we saved the Browns here at Rotovis to the end of the preseason. Reason being, we wanted some clarity on the quarterback position. Now, I think we have that. I think it's Terod Taylor is going to be the starter. Baker Mayfield certainly going to be the backup. But Mayfield played well in the in the preseason. Taylor, of course, had the dislocated pinky during the third preseason game. So I guess, you know, it is Terod Taylor's team, correct? He is going to be the starting quarterback, but 
How long do you think that could go? Is it going to be a quick hook, or are they really going to bring Mayfield along a little slowly? Oh, you're correct. Tyrod is going to be the starter. He'll be the 29th starting quarterback for the Browns since 1999. It's so hard to keep track of. I have to look it up. But he will be that guy September 9th against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think, you know what? I think he's got about week three. If the Browns go 0-3, they're going to play uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers at home to open the season. Then they're going to travel to face the New Orleans Saints in week two. Then they've got the New York Jets at home and Thursday, on a Thursday night football game. And I think if they lose that one and they go 0-3, that could be a real turning point for the organization, not only a quarterback, which obviously is the most important position, but I think that's when Hugh Jackson could be in trouble. Um, I don't think the leash is extremely long for Tyrod Taylor because, let's face it, Baker Mayfield is the number one overall pick. The Browns view him as the future of their franchise. Tyrod is, you know, a, a rental, so to speak. He is a... Uh, you know, a bridge to the future, and the f- that future is Baker Mayfield. Now, the Browns did not want Baker Mayfield to start the season because they got Tyrod Taylor in March via trade from the Buffalo Bills. They traded a third-round pick. It was the 65th overall pick, the first one in the third round in April's draft, and they figured this guy has a 22-21 and 21 record as a starter. He's not an elite guy, but he can get us back to respectability after 0-16. So let's have him come in and let our rookie quarterback, who we're going to draft number one overall, kind of learn and, and you know from the sideline watching Taylor a guy who's a consummate professional so that was a plan from from the very uh, beginning and they told Baker Mayfield that even before they drafted him when he visited team headquarters during the pre-draft process so this is something they've had in place for a long time they're going to work that plan as long as it makes sense and I think that really is is going to be about three weeks you know, if, if they go on three, uh, I think that's when you could really start to see big changes at quarterback. And that's when all the talk about Hugh Jackson potentially being let go uh, would really ramp up to. Because, let's face it, it, it is surprising given, uh, you know, his record that he came back. But, but ownership gave him that vote of confidence, and, and they're hoping he can turn around. But, you know, that, I just think that that's a pivotal um, – juncture early in the season for the Browns week three against the Jets there's that long weekend if you're going to make changes that would be a time that 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 you could do it if you felt it was necessary it's a fair point uh in this team you know that Pittsburgh game I'm kind of eyeing that one myself you know at home against Pittsburgh Todd Haley the whole thing you know there's a lot like you said there's a lot of weapons here I I think that three game start like you said is, is very important one of the other areas on offense that's looked impressive in, in the preseason has been the backfield. You know, when you have a quarterback like like Tarod Taylor, he opens up those running lanes. Carlos Hyde enters his fifth NFL season. He has a great all-around skill set. Duke Johnson signed that big three-year extension in the offseason. He's been the most targeted uh, running back in the NFL over the last three years. And, of course, the Browns drafted Nick Chubb, prolific running back from Georgia in the second round of the draft. So handicap the backfield for us. Is is this a three-headed monster, or do you see somebody getting pushed out in, in a touch squeeze? Well, that's going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, I tend to think that it's going to be more of a running back by committee thing, but they reserve the right, and I think they would like to kind of ride the hot hand. So if they do get somebody going, I think that they're going to give that guy the opportunities knowing that, hey, this is running back. These guys get beat up. We need depth here. We need quality depth. We're in the AFC North. 
we know what Cleveland is like in, in December. Not just Cleveland, but Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. All outdoor stadiums. Uh, all cold-weather cities. You know, I know the passing game rules the NFL. That is by far the, the, the most important facet of the game and the path to winning in the league. But I do think that there is some wisdom in being able to run and run effectively, especially in the division the Browns are in and in the type of games that the Browns find themselves in in December. And if the Browns ever become good enough beyond December. So I get it. Uh, I think Duke Johnson is the, the best all-around running back they have. The guy is, is really amazing and versatile and a, a really, really good receiver. But when any time he has a ball in his hands, whether he's catching it out of the backfield, lining up in the slot and catching it as a receiver or carrying it as a running back, he rarely goes down on first contact. I mean, the guy is very elusive and tough. He's not the biggest guy. But he's bigger and stronger than a lot of people give him credit for. I really like Carlos Hyde and what he's brought to the table here. I think he's actually exceeded my expectations a little bit, to be honest with you. So I think he's looked pretty good in the preseason. You know, he has not stayed healthy throughout his career. He's only played all 16 games one time, and that was this past season with the 49ers. So that makes sense why you need that depth, why you draft Nick Chubb, a guy who's promising as well. But I think to start the season, Carlos Hyde is definitely the starting running back in terms of the guy who you think is going to get the most carries. But I would think Duke Johnson could get the most amount of touches because he is that versatile all-around weapon. You know, Nathan, you talked about the wide receivers a little bit. Josh Gordon, obviously one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. Browns brought in Jarvis Landry, which has seemed to be a tremendous acquisition, not only for his speeches on hard knocks, but his, you know, his ability on, on the field, motivating guy. And I had the pleasure of seeing David Njoku play football and basketball here in New Jersey. I'll tell you this, Nathan, when I saw him live, I said, if that's not an NFL player, I don't know who is. So a lot of great options there in the receiving game. Talk a little bit about that, especially in Joku. Is this going to be sort of a breakout year for him? The Browns are hoping. I mean, he was 21 last year as a rookie, one of the youngest players, you know, in the NFL. And he's a guy, as you know, that is athletic as they come with a, uh, you know, seven foot plus high jump as a track and field star in high school, you know, and I talked to him a lot about that. And he thinks that he could be an Olympic high jumper if, if he didn't choose the uh, football route. And obviously he gained a lot of weight and packed on a ton of muscle to, to play football. Uh, so he's a, he's heavier than, than he was when he was jumping that high. But just you see that athleticism come through on the field and the way he can go up and get the ball. And, uh, you know, last year this was a big transition for him, you know. Coming from Miami, uh, where you know he he played a couple of years, but not a ton, and and transitioning to the NFL, where tight ends get beat up. I mean, these tight ends have to face defensive ends who are much larger than them, you know, and still be expected to to play the role of a receiver. Um, so the blocking is something Njoku has really worked tires, tirelessly at, and he's really improved a lot, and and they definitely want him to be. They're full-time starting tight end. They've got a couple other guys who can play, but he's definitely the focus of that position for them. And, you know, really, uh, not just tight end, but he's among the, the past, the past catchers in general, tight ends, receivers, running back, who they think really can make an impact. 
And what are you hearing about Callaway? Obviously, he flashed there in that first game. He he, he had some big-time performances, big-time receptions, and, and can certainly has the run after the catch. He had the citation for marijuana possession. Are you hearing anything there? Is that something that's going to linger, that there could be a, a, a possible suspension or discipline, or is he going to be free and clear from the beginning of the season? Well, you remember that Jets game I talked about earlier? Uh, his court date is that day. Oh, okay. Got it. So – so he, uh, this is ongoing, and the league is um, going to let it play out legally before it, it makes a decision. But uh, he could face some discipline from the NFL. Uh, at this point, uh, it, it would likely be a fine uh, because he, he, it's kind of a long story, but he basically entered the NFL in, the, in a substance abuse uh, program because of a uh, test at the combine that, that that he provided it was a diluted urine sample and a diluted sample counts as a failed test in the nfl's uh book so uh that put him into the substance abuse program and under that policy when you're in stage one if you have a violation then you're subject to a fine and and and, uh placement into stage two and then stage two that's when the suspensions begin so according to the letter of the law if, if he's disciplined by the NFL because of this incident, it's probably going to be a fine. And uh, depending on what the medical director would decide, it could mean that he ends up in the in stage two of the program. Um, in the immediate future, that's definitely something to think about long-term with him. Is he going to be another off-suspended receiver the way Josh Gordon has been? But in the immediate future, it's really about this groin injury. You know, he's supposed to play – uh, a significant role in this offense, being the third receiver with Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry as the starters. Um, he's just dealt with some soft tissue injuries throughout you know, training camp and preseason. And is he going to be able to overcome those to be a significant contributor and reliable? It's, it's particularly interesting with him because he comes to the NFL with a checkered pass. One of those red flags is that he was in a uh, credit card scheme. Uh, and caught in a credit card scheme. And as a result of that, he was suspended for all of last season at Florida. And so this is a guy dealing with a lot of soft tissue injuries, maybe partly because he did not play football at all last year and his body is getting acclimated to the game again. Well, we really appreciate a few minutes here, Nathan. I got I got one more for you, and then we'll get you out of here. So we talked a lot about the offense. Uh, Greg Williams is there with the defense. He's been very outspoken recently on some of the players. But as you said, this has been an impressive defense in the preseason for the Cleveland Browns. Las Vegas has the over-under for the Browns at five and a half. Uh, like I said, a lot of buzz for this team this year, a lot of expectations, pressure on Hugh Jackson as well. How do you see everything, offense, defense, coming together for the Browns this season? Where do you think they end up at the end of the year? Well, I usually am uh, projecting more wins than the Browns ever uh, earn. and That's easy to do. I mean, you usually don't think a team's going to go 1-15 and 0-16. and and I mean, usually even the worst teams in the NFL get 3-4 wins, but the Browns haven't done that lately. Still, despite all that <laughs> – I actually am pretty optimistic. I mean, John Dorsey has added so many key veteran players to this team since he took over. Uh, and, you know, he's obviously drafted some very, uh, you know, highly touted prospects early in that draft because of all the picks that they had stockpiled 
And I think that with the influx of talent, especially the quarterback position, where I do think Tyrod Taylor can get you to some semblance of respectability, and Baker Mayfield has shown really nice improvement from the time he arrived in Northeast Ohio during the spring until now, I'm pretty optimistic about what they're going to bring to the table from a talent standpoint. Add Todd Haley, who I think is a great addition, a very respected play caller. And I think the Browns should get to six wins. Some people would get carried away, in my estimation, and say they could flirt with, you know, maybe eight to nine flirting with a uh, wild card uh, playoff uh, berth at, at the nine win range. To me, I think there needs, there's going to be, not that there needs to be, but I think it's more realistic to, to think there's going to be a stepping stone here between 0 and 16 and a playoff run. So I think this would be the stepping stone year. I think six to eight wins is realistic. I think eight, if everything really, really goes well for them. But I expect uh, six to be uh, more reasonable, and that is going to be my prediction. I'm total agreement with you. I, I think that's a, that's a very fair prediction, and I think they are very live in that opening game at home against Pittsburgh. I, I think that's going to be a, a real fun and a very close game. Uh, folks, that's Nathan Ulrich, Cleveland Browns beat reporter from the Akron Beacon Journal at Ohio.com and Gatehouse Media Ohio. Please follow him on Twitter at ByNateUlrich. Nate, thanks for a few minutes. We really appreciate it. Uh, good luck this year, and we'll definitely catch up with you during the uh, regular season. All right, great. Thanks for having me. Take care. That was Nate Ulrich, Cleveland Browns beat reporter for the Akron Beacon Journal at Ohio.com and Gatehouse Media Ohio. When we return, we'll take a few minutes to consider what Nate said. Hey, Rotobiz fans, allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. With just days left in the 2018 fantasy draft season, the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interests and budget. Whether it's best ball, super flex, or classic managed leagues, there are dozens of live drafts filling all day long, starting at just a $35 entry. Now, are you ready for your greatest challenge? Then check out the FFPC main event. The main event is the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of a live draft and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino or draft online from the comfort of your own home. Play for the $250,000 grand prize, over $2.2 million in total prizes, and fantasy immortality. Over 1,400 diehards like you already signed up. What are you waiting for? Don't miss the FFPC experience, wrote of his listeners. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. We thank Nate Ulrich, Cleveland Browns beat reporter for the Akron Beacon Journal, for joining us here in the RV32 team preview series talking about the Browns. If you just look on the surface at the Cleveland Browns and the 1-31 record over the last two years and how Hugh Jackson is, as Nate said, on the hot seat, you're missing the essence of this team. There are fantasy football playmakers all over the offense here, and this team provides a lot of intrigue. That's why you, it's why you may have heard out in Las Vegas, they are actually receiving the most bets to win the AFC North. People think it's possible, and that's because despite all the negativity, 
on paper, they look to be much improved. Now, Nate talked about the defense and how the defense has really stood out in preseason. And I will tell you, in that home game against Pittsburgh, I expect that Cleveland front defensive line with Miles Garrett to put pressure on Ben Roethlisberger. So I think the defense will be improved. Greg Williams certainly has been around for a while. He's got a good reputation as a defensive coordinator. So I think that they are going to be fine on defense. And if you look at the offense, there are playmakers here. And it all starts with Todd Haley. Now, Todd Haley left Kansas City didn't work out there as a head coach for a few years. He ended up in Pittsburgh in 2012 as their offensive coordinator. Now, I fully understand that this is different personnel. and We're talking about Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown is one of the best wide receivers of all time. But it's worth noting that he has had a successful six years as offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. Very successful. They have averaged, I'm using the rotoviz.com team splits app where you can look at teams with players with different years and just break them down further. It's a great app to use. They had 92 games with Todd Haley as the offensive coordinator. They averaged 24.5 points per game. I understand the personnel is different, but in some ways there is personnel here on the Browns that's better than they had on the Steelers. If Josh Gordon is back to the level he was at, he's not Antonio Brown, but he's in that ballpark. And then they also have Jarvis Landry. So just looking at those two right there, there are some playmakers that are comparable. They averaged 36 passing attempts per game. They completed 24 of those passes. They had 280 passing yards per game, rushing attempts 25, and rushing yards 102. So this is a team that definitely will run the ball. They will pass the ball as well. A lot of plays, a lot of volume. So the first thing they talked about was the impact that Todd Haley is going to have. And certainly I expect this offense to be working and to be producing better than it ever has. Because as he mentioned, Hugh Jackson being the offensive coordinator and head coach, it just can't work. You have to delegate and you have to work together. It's too much to do for Hugh, who had a very good reputation with Cincinnati there as their offensive coordinator. So this should be much improved, and Browns fans should see a difference immediately. Next thing I want to talk about is Tyrod Taylor. I asked Nate, I said, how long do you think Tyrod Taylor can hold this job? And he pointed to that third game as a very critical piece for Tyrod Taylor, that if they have a win or even two, that would really get the pressure off of Hugh Jackson, which I understand. Uh, if he starts 0-3 and they lose the third game, which is at home to the Jets on a Thursday night, he feels that would be a little too tough to recover from. But assuming this team has success and it's battling, I do not see Nick. We're going to see Baker Mayfield anytime soon. And that really means something because Tyrod Taylor has produced from a fantasy perspective every year he's been given the chance and he has not had as good of weapons in Buffalo with those years as he'll have in Cleveland this year. So I slide on over here to the Rotoviz Game Splits app. So we use the Team Splits app first. Now we're using the Game Splits app. Again, tremendous apps here at rotoviz.com. Tyrod Taylor had 44 games from 2015 to 2017 that he started in Buffalo. That's a pretty decent sample size for a starter. Again, not with great talent. Sammy Watkins one year. Now, LaShawn McCoy, of course, in the backfield is great, but not fantastic all-around weapons like he's going to have in, in Cleveland. He averaged 20.7 PPR fantasy points per game, which is very solid. He averaged 1.16 passing touchdowns, not a huge number, 0.36 interceptions. He does not turn the ball over. In those 44 games on a seasonal basis, he's averaging, if you break it down per season, 19 touchdowns and six interceptions. Now, that's not great. But here's the key. His rushing yards are a weapon. They are a big-time weapon. He's only averaging 201 passing yards per game when he was a starter with Buffalo those three years. But he's averaging, averaging 36.8 rushing yards. That is a big three-plus fantasy points for you 
and .32 rushing touchdowns, which means once every three games, you get a rushing touchdown and you get 36 rushing yards. So if you add that together with the passing, all you need is for him to connect on one big passing touchdown or hit, you know, a tight end there going out in the flat in the red zone. And he's going to have a solid performance for you. That is why Tyrod Taylor has always been on the border of a QB1, a low end QB1 during his career. If he gets a chance to keep this job, and it seems from what Nate said, that is contingent upon them winning games. Of course, that if they're not going to win games, you might as well go with Baker Mayfield. He's going to be a QB1. Absolutely. There are some leagues that I'm in where I like drafting Tyrod, and you can get him in redraft with the absolute last pick of the draft. You could pick a kicker ahead of him and pick him up. And if you start him at the beginning of the season and the Browns actually beat the Jets in week three and somehow, who knows, pull an upset over the Steelers in week one, he's going to stay the starting quarterback and you're going to have the steal of the draft. So Tyrod Taylor, as much as the Buffalo fans think that he's too conservative and no big plays, fantasy-wise, the numbers here in the Game Splits app do not lie, Tyrod has produced. And who Tyrod Taylor could really have an impact on is tight end David Njoku. And looking back in Buffalo, again, staying with the Game Splits app, there were seven games that Tyrod Taylor played where Charles Clay did not. He really relied on Charles Clay. And I'll point out, in the 37 games that Charles Clay played, he averaged 1.22 passing touchdowns per game. When Charles Clay didn't play, Tyrod only averaged 0.86. He looks for his tight end. He wants to get him the ball. And he specifically looks for him in the end zone, which is going to be huge for tight end David Njoku. Now, I mentioned to Nate, David Njoku, I've seen up close and personal, can jump absolutely through the sky. Huge athlete, strong guy, measures 6'4", 246 pounds, played at Miami, feels he could have been an Olympic-level high jumper if he just had a chance to work at it. But instead, he's packed on the muscle and is one of the most impressive athletes at the tight end position. And if I go to the Rotoviz screener app, and if you, that next there's game splits, there's, um, there's team splits, and there's also the Rotoviz screener, you can filter and look since the year 2000 and compare David Njoku's rookie season to all the tight ends in their first year since 2000 now until 2017. So, those 18 seasons there from 2000 to 2017, and the results are fascinating. Now, look, there are some tight ends who really didn't do much after their first year. Randy McMichael in 2002 had 39 receptions, four touchdowns, and 485 yards. But tight ends don't normally contribute early. So their first year, it's usually not as big a contribution. The only tight end worth anything that produced their first year like David Njoku did. And Njoku had 32 receptions on 60 targets. 60 targets, by the way, which shows you how accurate Deshaun Kaiser was. 385 yards, which isn't great, and four touchdowns. The only tight ends that were anywhere near that that are some of the caliber, he's better than most of them. He's better than Tyler Eifert. He's better than Zach Ertz in 2013. Owen Daniels, for example, in 2006. He has better numbers than all those. 
Jimmy Graham, back in 2010, 31 receptions, 44 targets, 356 yards, five touchdowns. The only one I'd say that is comparable to him that really is a favorable comparison is Greg Olson. And I think that's worthwhile because Greg Olson was with the Chicago Bears in his rookie year in 2007. And do you remember the quarterbacks that year? Brian Greasy started six games, Rex Grossman started seven, and Kyle Orton started three. So last year, that that quarterback play with David Njoku was worse than any of these tight ends that I listed, and he still put that season up. So whether he has Tyrod Taylor or Baker Mayfield, that's going to be an improvement. And that year with those quarterbacks, back in 2007, Greg Olson was able to snag 39 receptions, 66 targets, 391 yards, and only two touchdowns. So again, yes, he's an incredible athlete. Yes, tight ends don't normally produce, but he still found a way to be relevant. And in the first preseason game this year, I know it was the preseason, he did have two touchdowns against the Giants. So I think David Njoku is in for a huge season. I think he's a fantastic tight end. You can pick him up late as well. He's going to be an impact player. Tyrod Taylor loves to rely on his tight end as he's proven in the past, especially in the red zone. So I think there's big time value for Njoku, especially if you're looking in something like a standard league where the tight, where the touchdowns really do make a difference. So I think he's someone that you should absolutely focus on and, and really try to target there in your drafts. And that's going to do it for the Cleveland Browns episode of the 2018 hashtag RB32 Rotoviz Radio Team Preview Series. Again, our guest today was Nate Ulrich. He is the beat reporter for the Browns for the Akron Beacon Journal at Ohio.com and Gatehouse Media Ohio. You can follow him on Twitter at ByNateUlrich. My name is Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. We only have, I think, one left, maybe one or two left. So we're finishing up this team preview series for Rotoviz Radio. Please stay with it. And of course, please follow the pod on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. Thank you as always for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the 2018 Rotoviz Radio team preview series. Our assistant executive producer is Colin Kelly, and our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.